Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Welcome, my name is Pastor Dominic Grimaldi and you are listening to Street Talk Theology, where we keep theology real and we bring it to the streets. I want to include my email address and would love some feedback from you guys concerning Street Talk Theology. You can reach me at pastorgrimaldi at gmail.com. But Street Talk Theology is not about me. It's about how people bring their theology to the streets, whether that's in the home, school, marriage, family, or friendships. And if I may, I want to give a shout out to my friend Braden and just say, hey, buddy, God bless you and talk to you soon. Now, what I want to do as we get into this um, show uh, this afternoon is I want to read an excerpt from a book that that I had written. Um, and the book is called When God Calls, and the author is Dawn Thomas. Now, let me just read this excerpt for you, and, and then we'll we'll get into our conversation today. This is what I wrote. The theology of death, eternal life, the sovereignty of God and a mother's love all interact in this theological treatise presented in When God Calls. Dawn Thomas puts skin in the game, and when the hard providences of God impact a family, namely an untimely death of a loved one, and namely her son, Ryan. The perspective that Miss Thomas gives will challenge all of us from the theologian, the pastor, the congregant, and even those outside the church family. At the end of the day, we will all see the beauty of God shine forth in this book. Dawn Thomas shares a heart, leaves it all out for us to see in reflecting where her true trust lies. This book is for everyone wishing to deeply ponder the consequences of life, death, and the seriousness of sin before a holy God. Ms. Dawn Thomas, it's a welcome to have you on Street Talk Theology. Thank you, Pastor. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, I do want to mention that Dawn is a friend and a sister in Christ to my wife, Rachel, and myself. And Dawn has done extensive biblical counseling here at Desert Sky. But the reason Dawn is with, is with us today is to discuss her book, When God Calls. And obviously, um, her son dying tragically. And I want to talk about that, Dawn. So the tragic death of your son, did you ever... Did you ever think that God abandoned you during this time? That's a really great question. And uh, the answer is no. And uh, the reason why I can say that is because uh, shortly after hearing the news, um, you know, you're kind of in this surreal world of, wow, what's just happened? Um, There's no way this happened. It's almost like you are, it's not real. And so, after a few uh, a few times, maybe an hour or so, um, and some bits of other information that was coming in that I was hearing about, I was suddenly overwhelmed by a peace 
that only God can bring. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, and that's and and, and that's amazing. And you know, this is an emotional uh, subject. And 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 like I said, when you read the book, I mean, Dawn does share her heart as she will today. You know, so um, you did not feel abandoned by God, and 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 praise the Lord for that. And that's and that's a gift, right? I mean, that's definitely a gift. Absolutely, it was it was as if the Lord had just completely wrapped His arms around me and around my heart, and I could feel the Spirit just saying, "He's with me. He's with me," and having that immediate and i when i say immediate it was within an hour or two of course an hour of the first shock of hearing everything but then um within a time frame shortly thereafter that that the spirit just the holy spirit just took over for me it it was just as if god had just said it's it's all well it's all well with you you know, we, we have, you know, we have, we have scripted uh, questions and stuff, but as I hear this, I want to, let, let me, let me, let me go to this. Why don't we just go to the point of when you found out about Ryan? So that, so the audience could know what you're, what you're going through right now, even in talking about this, let's go right to that. And then we can go over the book. Is that okay, Ms. Dawn? Sure. No problem. So um, how it kind of transpired is um, this is I happened on a Saturday. Uh, I had come home from a long day on a Saturday and uh, my, my uh, youngest son had had a, a football game or something that, that day. And um, my son, Ryan, uh, who was staying with me as he was um, in just starting his third year of college as a junior at ASU, um, he had gone water skiing. It was the last opportunity that he and some friends got together to go water skiing. And so he left very early in the morning. He had worked a very late night, um, cause he was kind of doing two jobs at the time. And so he left very early in the morning and, and, uh, he looked at me as he said goodbye and he said, okay, mom, I know you want me to get my room cleaned up. I'll take care of that when I get home. So that was kind of the last that that was told between, you know, that was kind of said between the two of us. Hey, Miss Dawn, how, how old, how old was Ryan at this time? 21. He okay. had just turned 21, um, in July of that year. So this was October now. So we're about two months down, down the road. So towards the end of the day, I knew Ryan had to work, um, go to work that evening in his second job. And, and um, when I got home, I noticed that he uh, hadn't been home. So I was kind of alarmed and a, a little bit, but, but not too much as he's 21 years old and he's a college kid. And, you know, uh, moms are the last to know what really goes <laughs> exactly. on in life. <laughs> so um, at any rate, there was a knock at the door. And so I answered the door and there were uh, there was a, a gentleman there and a woman and to which they proceeded to say, are, are, are you the mother of Ryan Thomas? And I kind of looked at them kind of skeptically. Did you think anything was up right there? I mean, did you think anything bad, good or indifferent at this? When I initially um, opened the door and they said, are you the mother of Ryan Thomas? I said, um, yes, I am, but he's 21 years old and whatever he did, it's on him. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, they said, well, can, can we come in and talk with you? And, um, of course I, I led them in and I can tell you that with every, I was climbing some steps at the time and with every step, my heart was starting to beat even more. My youngest son was with me as well. Um, at any rate, they proceeded to tell me, well, did your son, you know, did he, was he skiing today or was he out at the lake today? And I said, yes. 
And then that's when the gentleman proceeded to tell me what had happened. And so what, and to, for, I'm sure for the audience, everybody's going to want to know, well, what, what exactly happened? Well, the only thing they could tell me was that, that he had, um, the boat had docked, they were done skiing and, um, Ryan uh, apparently had to go to the restroom real bad because they were waiting in line to, to get the boat out and jumped in the water and was gone, literally was gone, went under his, his um, friends searched ran frantically for him. Never, nobody could find him, but he literally went into the water and now, straight into the Lord's hands. Uh, praise the Lord. Was Ryan, and just a question, if I may, was Ryan a good swimmer? I mean, was... Ryan was a fantastic swimmer. I'm I, I'm a former swimmer myself, and I taught all of our boys to swim from the age of three up. He absolutely loved the water. Fantastic swimmer. So um, the the thought, of course, for me of how this the, it was like impossible. To, it was it was something that I couldn't even fathom for the life of me as as to how that could even possibly. How did he go? What do you mean he go? He knew how to swim. He's a fantastic swimmer. What do you mean he just went under? He was gone. I want to, if I may, can I just start Please. talking about the book a little bit, Please. if I may. So are you familiar with Simon and Garfunkel? <laughs> yes, I am. So, you know, in the beginning of your book, it says there's a time for everything uh, for under heaven, right? A time to be born, a time to die. And obviously, you know, we, when we read this in the Bible, you know, obviously we know it's uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes is writing this. Some say it might be Solomon. Some said it might be. But that, the point is, when I was reading the book, when it said here, a time to be born and a time to die, this means a lot more to you than if we're just reading this in the Bible. And that's what I'm saying. This book, you know, it, it puts skin in the game. And 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 I want you, if, if I may, I, I want to ask you, what is your mindset? What governs your way of thinking when you read this and the writer of Ecclesiastes tells us these certain seasons and purposes? How can you relate to that or how can you let the audience know how you're dealing with that according to God's word? Well, for me, it's all about the sovereignty of God, um, that he is, God created the heavens and the earth. He created man. He created everything for, according to the counsel of his will, as Ephesians 1.11 tells us, that everything is under his sovereign control, and nothing happens outside of that. And so, when, it, when, when the author of Ecclesiastes, um, Solomon, King Solomon, wrote this, for me, it was about the fact that that there's a time and a place for everything and including life and death that, you know, God has purpose from, from eternity exactly when and where and why and how everything is going to uh, be done according to how he wants it done, not according to how we want it done. So this basically was your solace. This, yes. this was the word of God was your solace. The Bible says the word of God is living and active and sharper than the two-edged sword. But but you did say you, you focus on verse 11. God has put eternity in everyone's heart. Can you talk about that uh, with me for a second? Sure, absolutely. So again, the, the Bible is full of God created us from Genesis, from the beginning of creation. So God breathed into Adam life, the soul. So God created us eternally to live eternally. And just because we have physical death now, our souls and eventually our resurrected 
bodies will have life forever. God created man for eternity. And just because here on earth, there's the physical death that happens, we continue to live forever. Yeah, you know, when I was thinking, when I, when I was reading the book and I was thinking, the problem is people look for eternity in all the wrong places. I mean, so, and when you have a biblical perspective of eternity, obviously it was a great comfort for you in, in, in dealing with, with, with Ryan's death. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, let me see. So I'm trying to do this uh, kind of the introduction we discussed Obviously, so chapter one, you pen the title A Mother's Cry. And in chapter one of your book, you speak about how Ryan was an adventurous boy. And you kind of said that. But then you talk about the term, the providence of God, a theological term. And I want you to unpack the providence of God and, and how you apply it to what happened in, in Ryan's life. Okay. So again, or I should say in Ryan's death. Yeah. Amen. So here's, here's what, here's the beauty of what the Lord did for me. Um, So a couple of months, uh, I think it was July, I believe of this right before he, he passed around his birthday time when he just turned 21. um, He ended up coming to me again. He was, uh, he, he had been living with some roommates and uh, that dissipated. That just suddenly didn't work out. And so he came to me and he said, Mom, I'm so sorry. I, I need a place to live until I can get something back mm-hmm. together. And um, when you talk about, again, God's amazing grace and his love for his people, you know, he. Go, take your time, Dawn. We got, pl- we got plenty of time. He provided a way for me to spend the last two months yeah. of Ryan's life. He gave him back to me after he'd been away from college and, and, and he gave him back. And he, and then as I tell later in the story, um, what he did for me specifically um, two weeks prior to his death. So not only did God give Ryan back in, in a way of, of giving just those, those last couple of months of, of connection and and enjoyment and fellowship and relationship. But he also gave me an assurance of his salvation that only God could do. If I may, and this is a great point I think you make because in God's providence, you could never look ahead towards providence. You only look back, right? That's right. So you, you know, when, when Ryan's coming there for the, to spend, you know, two weeks and, you know, oh, my, my son's got to be here, you know, whatever it is, you look back on that and say, this was a God thing. Absolutely. And, and it's just please. amazing. It's just absolutely. Um, it, it just, it just told me how much God was taking care of me and my family and, and, and what he was doing to assure how much he loves me, how much he loves us. And, and he does that. And I, I actually, in the book, I I do ask readers that, you know, think about if you're a believer, think about the, the last um, maybe times that you were with a loved one that may have passed on that God provided for you, that God provided an, an avenue for you to be, to um, be touched and to be um, given that kind of compassion and grace and how, and and the thing is, is he does it all 
He does it for our, all of it is for our good, but it always is about his glory because this is, this is God. This is our creator. This, this is how much he loves us. This is what he does for us. Just your mindset. I mean, so let me ask you, you've come to the, a place in your life knowing that God ordains everything. Nothing happens outside of God's purview. And again, I want to ask this. I didn't ask. I, we asked about, you know, God abandoning you. Obviously, you did not uh, feel like that. But did you ever? I, I want to say this. I know I, I we kind of changed this. But did you ever question God? Like, why? Why, God? Why, Lord? Yes. And that's a really great question. Um, that did not personally happen for me. I know it happens to a lot of believers. No, that's okay. It, it, but it, it didn't personally happen for me. I happen to have studied the book of Job very well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, knowing that, you know, behind the scenes, for those who may not know about the book of Job, but God gave us that book for a reason, because that book is all about suffering. And Job, <clears throat> as I explain in the book, he never does know why. He never finds finds out why, why it was truly a moot issue. It's been a moot issue for me because God is our creator. I don't question God and what he does because I know based off of Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So he, he works things out for our good and for his purposes. Everything is according to God's counsel and his purposes. So in Job, Again, he never does know why, but what God does do is he is, and, and Job was a righteous man, the most righteous man. He lived for God, just like he states, you know, naked I came, naked I'm going to, I'm going to leave. Amen. <clears throat> and so he, he's, he does humble Job though. You see, Job had to, he was humbled because where were you God, when I spoke exactly, the world into where, right? where were you when I parted the sands yeah, from the sea? Yeah. Where were you when I, and so, you know, um, and, and what, and how it turns out for Job, he does not ever find out why, but we know why as the reader, God tells us why, because see, it was, it was a test. It was between God's devil, the devil and, 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 uh, God. And, um, you know, again, God's glory was completely displayed and Satan was completely destroyed by the end of that fantastic book. And and Job was restored. I know that we didn't want to go down this path a little bit because I know this isn't about you, but you are an ACBC biblical counselor. Yes. So he, so I want to, if I may... I want to, and this is going to be a tough question for you, but but I, I think you're going to handle it. If you are counseling somebody, and obviously they are a Christian, but the the person that maybe you might be counseling lost somebody that was not a Christian, how do you deal with that as a counselor? Say if I come to you and you know I'm a Christian, but I lose my son or something like that, but my son was not a believer. How do you, Dawn, how do you, I know knowing you uh, very carefully, but knowing you very scripturally, how do you deal with that in that situation? Um, yeah, that's a really tough one, Pastor. Uh, it, it's, um, be, but how I generally, and I, just so you know, I have been asked that question directly. You know, I, I've had uh, counselees come to me and say, I want to know whether my son or daughter or, or spouse or whomever is in heaven. And um, my initial response to that is, thank God that he is 
holy and righteous and just. And God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the exterior. He's looking at the interior. Jesus did that all throughout his ministry. <clears throat> but if you go to in Genesis 18:25 and this is the story of Abraham challenging God with respect to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes. And the saving of the city and the lives. Yes. Will you yes. spare the righteous or are you going to destroy the righteous with the wicked? And so um, he challenges God and God makes promises to Abraham to spare even going down to, I think he started with, I don't know, hundred, then he goes down yeah. to 80, then he goes down yeah. to 50, then he goes down to 60 and, and he goes all the way down to 10 to which God says, I will absolutely spare um, all the way down to 10 of there's 10 righteous people. Now um, in this particular dialogue that goes on as Abraham is interceding for Sodom, and there is a scripture verse. It is uh, Genesis eighteen twenty five that I often use with um, counselees who might be struggling with this, where it's basically Abraham, Abraham saying, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, if I find Sodom, my um, 50, even 50 righteous, I will spare this whole place. So here's, here's the deal with that. The, how I see it is that God is a just God. His justice is perfect justice. He knows the hearts of all men. And he ultimately, I also go back to Ezekiel um, 18, where he states very specifically how he is the owner. He, 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 all souls are his. So every soul created is God's and God is the ultimate judge and jury. And so God is the one who decides we may be thinking there's no way, but we don't ultimately know that because God judges those hearts. He's the one that judges the hearts. So with that, I just want to add, um, I'd like to kind of talk about David, if I may. Yes, sure. Please. Um, King please. David, because King David was also challenged if also uh, with the um, with the fact that, you know, King David was um, had a heart for God. And he, as God said, he you know, this this is a heart after me. And um we, he, he was, he was truly, and uh, Jesus came through the line of David, but he was truly had a heart for the Lord, but David also was a sinner and a, and a really bad sinner. So he has, he, you know, he, he sees a woman one day, he's lust after her. He ends up having an affair with her who she was a married woman. And, um, then, you know, he, she ends up getting pregnant and, um, he tries to cover it up, you know, and, and of course his, his loyal, faithful servant Uriah, who was Bathsheba's husband at the time, sure. you know, um, it was fighting for David. Doesn't anyway, the bottom line is that David ends up setting up, of course, his ultimately to have him killed on the front lines as they were fighting um they were fighting for their country there so david sinned all over the place with this and he gets caught and and nathan confronts him and when he realizes what he's done he suffers a, a terrible price the price of bathsheba's he marries but ends up marrying bathsheba after uriah is killed and the baby dies but so what i would really like to kind of go to would be second samuel 
um, where in chapter 12, there where David. And this story, as we know, must have definitely been a comfort to you. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, this is and we know the story, but I I do want you to reiterate it. But it had to be a comfort to you. And and well, the the comfort truly is this, because oftentimes we I wouldn't going back to your question with counselees, they they want to um, know for a fact, you know, where they're loved. Well, they're 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 gone. You, you can't you, you, in your in your mind, you can't rectify that here on Earth right now. Right. You just can't do that if you're not sure. But what you can be sure of is your own salvation. And so, David, here is truly the answer to this. David says, as he you know, his his God takes the child as what was promised. OK, that they, that David was going to lose that child. Right. And he you know, he he doesn't mourn after this happens. He mourns while the child was sick for the few days. But then the child dies and David gets back to being the king that that he was. And the very last scripture verse is which is so um, interesting here that if I could read it for you. Yeah. um, So so that his people there were kind of complaining that that he was fasting um, and lamenting while the child was still alive. And then David chose after that he finds out that the child dies, David stops lamenting and he stops fasting. And he says here, um, while the child was still alive, I fastened and wept for I said, who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me Amen. that the child may live, but now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. David was so assured of his own salvation that he knew he would see his child again. So the question is for us who may have lost a loved one who may not have been a believer. Um, some of us know this for a fact and, and, and it, there's an acceptance that God gives us because he is the, the ultimate um, judge and jury of us all. Um, but the fact that a believer is somebody you, you have to look at your own salvation Am, am I am I assured of where I am going? Because that was the assurance David had. I know where where he is, but I'm and I'm going to go to him. That's where I would want to counsel to 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 find the peace of where they need Amen. to be. Dawn, I have a lot a, a lot more questions, if I may. So, can I bother you to come back one more time to? Uh, finish this up, finish this book up. Is Would that be okay? Absolutely. I'd love to. Thank you. Yes. So um, with that, we are out of time today. And obviously this is Pastor Dominic Romaldi with Dawn Thomas. And we are here in Street Talk Theology. Till next time, may God bless and keep you and shine his light upon you in Jesus name. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Romaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org.